0: soften our hearts, open our eyes, that we might know of your challenge, that we might know of your comfort, that we might know of your inspiration, we pray, in the name of Jesus, Amen, Amen. Great to be with you this morning. I wish it was one of those chapters you may be sat here this morning thinking, "Oof, could we could, could we not miss these few chapters and move on to chapter 13 where it's all about love and we feel a bit more comfortable there." Well, well, I feel a bit like that anyway, not about you. I'm going to have to take a big gulp of water now, I have to say. The challenge is when you're going through a book well you're going for a book it's part of the story as it was inspired by Paul at the time writing to the church in Corinth there from Ephesus and he was being inundated with all sorts of carryings on you'll remember that you'll realise that Corinth was this wealthy cosmopolitan place an eclectic mix of religions and temples and in the midst of it Paul had planted this precious church and they were seeking to live for Christ but as we've realised before the culture around them that they'd lived in was being brought into the church and they were being challenged by Paul and saying, ah uh no if he wanted to make this short and sweet Corinthians could have been written by Paul simply saying stop it now! (laughs) but he goes into some of the nitty gritty stuff of what he was dealing with then and of course we realise that when we look at the culture of Corinth at the time there was was nothing tame or genteel about it Corinth had become the centre of unbridled immorality so widely known did the immorality of Corinth become that the Greek verb to Corinthianize came to mean to practice sexual immorality and the practices and the model of the world around them was evident as well in the church and we've already begun to look at some of those challenges the world in Corinth saw men marrying but then able to have sex with the temple prostitutes as well and maybe a thousand temple prostitutes it said all the slaves there was incest going on as well and verse 12 said all things are permissible all things are permissible it sounds like just the headline of one of our glossy maybe men's magazines or women's magazines for that matter or the headlines of one of our tabloids all things are permissible and there was an aspect in the church where they were saying we are now free we're no longer slaves we're no longer slaves to sin but we're free in Christ and so there was unfortunately a misunderstanding and misinterpretation of what freedom meant they thought they were free to do whatever Where sin abounds, his grace abounds more. But it was a false truth. And it was causing all sorts of chaos, and in particular pain, in the life of the church. And Paul begins to speak into it. You know, let me remind you, when Paul's speaking into it here, we're not just the most liberated culture that's ever lived look at Corinth there's nothing new under the sun it's been going on for centuries millennia and Paul wasn't living in the Victorian times here he wasn't naive or innocent or rose-tinted glasses as to what the world was like or the church was like So surprise, surprise, Paul speaks into the church in Corinth, which it seems to me is very applicable for the church today. It was perhaps the original messy church. The original messy church. And Paul responds in chapters 6 and 7 here to some of the questions. It seems to me the questions were around restlessness and being discontented whether that was around being single or whether that was around being married or divorced and we might say and what's new? and what's new? in our world today in our church today we will be struggling with some of those issues of singleness of marriage of divorce of sex and Paul offers wisdom and boundaries and safeguards to live well and to be a light in the darkness where God may have called you for this moment he's saying live well where he's called you for this moment so here we go we're planning on this week to be tackling sex and singleness Gosh, that's woke some of you up, and others are wondering whether to turn or walk out now. And the next time, we're going to be looking at marriage, and divorce, and remarriage. And it seems to me that God speaks hope and life into some of these difficult, nitty-gritty things. But it wouldn't be right for us to flick these pages over and ignore it because we feel uncomfortable about it. Or, well, it's not really for me. Because the reality of it is we're rubbing up along other family members in the life of the church here, and we need to be able to give an answer for the hope that is within us and why we have made certain decisions and not others. You see, it seems to me that the world is looking for something that is far different than the world is offering. There seems to be an op- a, a void in the world, an emptiness. And one philosopher once described it that God has created a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts and our lives. And we might stuff that vacuum with all sorts of stuff. But nothing satisfies like knowing the love of gods even the U2 band sang I still haven't found what I'm looking for and Paul speaks into this with love and with grace but being firm and being fair about it all and just at the end of chapter 19 I want you to just keep in mind this morning please come on maybe it's you need to move that please at the end of chapter 6 no there should be a scripture coming up there but never mind I'll read it to you at the end of chapter 6 that you are not your own you have been bought at a price therefore honour God with your body. Let that be your headline this morning, that you are not your own, you've been bought with a price, therefore honour God with your body. So, the first headline is, you're going to have to move, oh is it me, okay, hey, stand on one leg and it works the first headline is God invented safe sex and he called it marriage God is for sex I don't know whether you're surprised about that or not but God is for sex it's sad that the image of the world seems to get of the church that we're against it that we dumb it down that we, we seem to see it as a, a dirty and a horrible thing and yet God has invented sex for us en- to enjoy it seems that sometimes the message from the church to the world is that we're obsessed about it as well And rather than celebrating it, it can be seen as shameful and dirty. But it was created to be expressed safely and lovingly within a marriage. And I don't think we need to apologise for that. I'm simply bringing out what Paul and Scriptures would tell us, the safe boundaries that God has provided sadly some of us may have had poor experiences I say poor experiences of sex which may colour our view about it all I was abused as a young lad at 12 sexually abused and one of the things I really regret was being able to sit down with my son when he was going through puberty to talking through this stuff because my own life had been scarred and blurred and I didn't know quite what was normal so our lives can be scarred in many different ways but do you know what God can touch and heal and transform our lives too and we don't have to stay stuck in that difficult place and we don't have to use that difficult place to be the, the thing that makes us make all the poor choices following on The many times I've heard of people where they sadly have been also abused when they were younger and then have chosen a route of drugs and alcohol and sex and everything else. Oh, I thank God that he grabbed hold of me as a young teenager. And I never went down any of those routes. It's not a trophy. I'm just so grateful that God was so gracious. so God invented safe sex and he called it marriage and the two will become one this loving union of man and wife it wasn't ever meant to be a casual affair but an intimate, a lasting relationship that creates not just physical bonds but emotional and psychological and spiritual bonds too and it deepens that one flesh relationship. So honour God with your body. It's also exclusive. Exclusive of all other sexual encounters, as long as we both live. Within marriage, it's not tainted by guilt or shame. There's a sense of freedom that comes within that union of marriage it's a gift for our pleasure and enjoyment and procreation within the marriage relationship you know scripture speaks well of sex forgive me if that's grinding you you know you're cringing every time I say it but it speaks well of it I don't know whether you've read some bits of Proverbs or the songs of songs woof it gets a little bit hot at times. Because it's speaking the truth of an intimacy and the love that could be that God has offered for us. And you know what? It's for young and for old too. Some of you are coughing now and spluttering on that one. But I wondered whether you ever realised. That, do you remember with Abraham and Sarah? It says they were past it. And then, when the angel of the Lord came and said, Hey, you're going to have a son, what do you think happened next? <laughs> Rob Parsons says, if a man wants a wild night on Friday, he'd better start on Monday. And he goes on to say, it's important to express our love through loving words, through thoughtful presence, through physical affection, through quality time and kind action you know one of the headlines this week sadly has been of of, uh, the celebrity who died this last week and it seems that one of her postings on her Facebook was a cry that we might be kinder. We might be kinder. The world is, is desperate for kindness and love and belonging and intimacy. And what's one of the fruits of the Spirit of God? Kindness. And though that appeal may have gone out and it may have gone viral across the world and and people may choose to be kind, well, for this week anyway. But hey church, let's wake up. The world around us is looking for kindness and it's looking for love that comes from God's. And God's Spirit working within us lasts not just a week, but hopefully through each moment of of, of this forthcoming year. Let's not be kind just for Lent, but let's express that kindness each of this coming year that God may have given us. You see, the problem was in the church in Corinth at the time, was that there was this super spiritual group. In the church, who were advocating that they should be leaving their unbelieving partner or abstaining from sex in their marriage because they were seeing it as an act of devotion to God. And so, on the surface, it sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Let let let's not do that sort of stuff, darling. We need to focus more on God. And Paul speaks very directly into it, and he says, "No, no." no Stay where you are. Paul says to, to, to the one that is married, even if it's to the unbeliever, he's saying, stay where you are. Don't run from your commitment there. This is where you are for this moment in time and therefore be a light there. And regarding the sex, he basically bluntly says, well, if you both agree and say, okay, love, we'll agree we're not going to have sex for this week because we're going to pray and fast well that's between you two but Paul's saying it's not natural for that to carry on forever and ever all men as it were because you see the trouble is if you carry on like that and you end up using sex as a treat or a special then the trouble is the reality of it is if we're human anyway that one side's going to get extremely frustrated and is going to start looking elsewhere where they can get attention and of course we know where that leads then to affairs, etc, etc so Paul's quite explicit and says, you can do that, choose that for a moment in time but that's not the norm in the normal Christian marriage where we're seeking to give of ourselves to each other verse 1 has sadly been misread by many thinking that Paul was advocating singleness over marriage but look again Paul was repeating what had been written to him by the Corinthians one of the Corinthian slogans were it's not good for a man to marry that was trying to reinforce this abstaining bit and maybe that was due to in verse 26 where it it mentions that there was a present crisis going on. Possibly the commentators say that crisis was either a famine at a time of persecution and therefore it was better that you, if you didn't have all the cares and the responsibilities to be providing food and shelter for your loved one or for your family if you were single you didn't have all those stresses and strains and anxieties so actually for that moment in time it's probably a good thing but it wasn't an absolute Paul was definitely for marriage Paul in verse 3 responds by reminding them of what their marriage vows were their marital conjugal rights if you like Paul, in effect, later on said Come together again when you've abstained. Come together again so that Satan will not tempt us because of your lack of self-control. Someone said, Sex is like fire. In the fireplace, it keeps you warm. Outside the fireplace, it burns the house down. But when affection and touch and hugs and kisses and dating and making someone feel special and treats and thoughtfulness and love notes, you know, let me just say, those things are not when we're chasing the other half. Those things are not when we've been newlywed. The challenge for those that are married is to keep that intimacy, going and keeping it alive and leaving the little love notes and singing the little song every now and again or whatever it was you once did and keeping that love alive rather than allowing it to die. I recognise this is a two-way situation and it's difficult at times. Paul says, in effect, work at maintaining intimacy. The rabbis went to great lengths to define how many times a man should make love to his wife. I don't know whether they ever knew this or not. It was quite a discovery to me. But apparently the rabbis stipulated um, some, uh, specifying different intervals for different occupations. Most men had to do their duty twice a week. But if they were an ass driver, um, A-S-S, that's my pronunciation, donkey or something like that, driver, you may be away from home on a long journey delivering goods, and so only once a week was expected. However, if you were unemployed, you were expected to fulfil your obligation every night so there's always a cloud with a silver lining or a silver lining cloud the the church is called to a way of holiness and for the Christian sex is only ever seen as being intimate between one other person within that safe boundaries of marriage and that's counterculture in the world that we're living in just as it was then and there's a massive challenge isn't there you don't need telling that there's a massive challenge in our society and especially for our young people but you know what some of my pastoral challenges I have with people isn't just with young people when it comes to this subject But the challenges are there for all, but especially for our young people today, with the easy access on the internet to all sorts of stuff that goes on, to this sex texting, and that's where kids are taking pictures of themselves in compromising positions to each other, perhaps because they've been bullied or forced or trying to attract somebody. But of course, once it's been taken and it's out there, it's out there and sadly it's used and abused within our world and instead of something that God created as good unfortunately it can be seen as evil and nasty and horrible which of course it is when it's not done in the safe boundaries of God's. sadly it's a challenge. Sex is seen as an act in itself and not a relationship to be cherished. And we need to think of ways to protect each other, to create accountability for those that are vulnerable on an online site seekingarrangements.com they surveyed over 10,000 of its members asking them to identify an acceptable amount of partners for their current flame to have had the results were that 48% of women and 45% of men went with a perfect 10 more more partners than that and they would have seen it as promiscuous less well you're completely and hopelessly inexperienced we're called to walk in a way that is counterculture a way of holiness and we all, all have to learn to say no to sex outside of those safe bonds of marriage no to those magazines that might promote it no to the adult TV and the internet programs that might suck us in or to the lies that it's okay everybody else is doing it let's stay faithful to the Lord whether we're single or married let's not pretend too that nobody in the church struggles with some of these issues or temptations because that wouldn't be true but the instructions from scripture many times but Paul says it very clearly is flee is run as fast as you can flee from sexual immorality he says run like billio don't please don't think that you're strong enough and mature enough that I can cope with this I can deal with it I'll take it he- head on because we're human and there are weaknesses And there are cracks in our armour. And a little crack becomes a bigger one. And Paul's simple instruction to whether you've been following the Lord for 50 years or for 5 days. It's exactly the same. Flee. Run like mad away from it. Put some distance in between it. Don't entertain it. Otherwise, that fleeting moment might create pain and chaos. Not just for you, but we know, don't we, in families, we know of the ricochet, the ripple effect it has on so many others as well. And God's trying to give us some boundaries to say, it is good, but here's the safe boundaries that it should be operating in. I'm just going to briefly touch on the singleness. Paul touches on it here and sometimes that might be avoided by us. The point is we've all been single at one time or another and either we've been single all our lives or we've been married and then we're single for all sorts of reasons. and I guess the headline here is don't waste your singleness however you've arrived there it's good to be single we've all been at that stage in life but it seems to me Paul's also saying there's real opportunities there's real opportunities to go deep with God and to be devoted to him alone in verse 7 Paul says I wish that all men were as I am in other words single but Paul wasn't necessarily against marriage because we know that Paul had been a a proud, zealous Hebrew of Hebrews he would have likely been married to fulfil the command to go forth and multiply we can only guess that there was the, uh, the possibility that his wife may have died in childbirth which wouldn't have been unusual then or that she abandoned him when he became a follower of Jesus Paul refers to verse twenty eight of chapter seven there. Those who are married face many troubles in this life, and I want you to spare and I want to spare you this. Well those of you that are married or have been married, you probably be doing a slight little nod. <laughs> those who are married face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Paul's making it quite clear that singleness should be celebrated and seen as an opportunity from God to be fully devoted to Him and not distracted by compromising. Compromising because of your other half, because that's what happens. And Paul's saying, actually, in that single state, you're not having to be worried about the other half, you're not having to be worried about this, that, and t'other. There is an aspect where, okay, it is just me, and there are challenges with that, I understand that. But Paul's also saying, but, hey, you could go deeper with God. Hey, you could draw closer to Him. Hey, there could be an increase in intimacy with God. Maybe for this season in your life. It's not saying it's going to be a singleness for the rest of your life, but maybe for this moment, this is an opportunity to draw close to him and he'll draw close to you it seems from the singleness point of view you know, we can still have that intimacy with other people without sex going deeper with God and with friendships as well I mean, think of Jesus who walked and ate and taught and slept with his twelve disciples for three years they were intimately acquainted with each other I am sure you'll know that if you've just been on holiday just for a week with someone as singles you've got much to offer the family of gods you know we do have the same DNA I mean from a spiritual point of view married or single and we are family so as a single person it seems there are possibilities that you could also look out maybe for some of those that do need mothering or fathering maybe as a mentor role or a coach role in coming alongside others that might be struggling maybe the the other waves and strays that don't appear to have anybody who's supporting them maybe it's an opportunity to come along I remember dearly an elderly lady in the the church that I was going to as a young believer in her in her 80s and she took me under her wings as a young believer and I'd go round to her house after the morning service or in the week and I'd have a cup of tea and would talk about the Lord and she'd ask me about my world as well but she was imparting into me something of her godly wisdom something of her journey because I realised although she was 80 80 odd and maybe past it she'd been there and she'd got the t-shirt and she was able to just graciously and lovingly steer me and try and keep me on the straight and narrow rather than all the other flashing lights that would be attracting a young lad at that particular time. Oh, I'm grateful for Mrs. Poynton, who was a great and timely blessing to me at that time. You could be a timely blessing to someone else too. Being single isn't a consolation prize. It's using your gifting either the freedom of choice for this season or to serve with all your might. Rather than being restless with that singleness, maybe the challenge is to learn to be content. Lord, here am I. Use me afresh. The truth is there are challenges to singleness. There is the misconception that you can't be happy, complete or fulfilled in life unless you are married. Please, let's not give out that message to those that are single around us. Church, let's be aware that often church and social events can be quite exclusive and revolve around families or couples. Let's continue as family to be welcoming to all that those who are single feel at home and safe with us in our gatherings. There are challenges of loneliness and of intimacy, of companionship, of who do I go on holiday with, of who will look after me in my old age, of decision making. Having someone to bounce ideas off or, or bounce around your, your anxieties without them blowing out of all proportion, and some of you will dearly miss those when your loved ones may be gone to glory. There are challenges, but marriage equally won't necessarily end all that loneliness or take away any frustration or temptation it's a myth sadly some of you will know you can be lonely in a marriage some of you will know that there can be a lack of intimacy or be tempted in one's marriage by definition it's often married people who seek out affairs Paul says to the single, if you're burning with temptation with your partner, Paul doesn't say, get on with it. Paul says, well, get married. Paul says, get married to a follower of Christ. Importantly, if you're considering marriage or going out with someone, and it seems to be going on and going on and it seems to me I've come across folk where they seem to have been engaged for donkeys I from going out with my wife and being married it was 15 months I could have probably got married during the first month or so really but there are some who seem to be engaged for an awful long time an extended time because they're, well, all sorts of reasons saving up and this, that and the other and sometimes you think hmm, is this a lack of commitment or what? Or are they doing something under the covers anyway? You see if you're not doing anything under the covers and there's that burning desire I tell you what and you're seeking to honour God's word you'll sort it out one way or the other you don't have to have the big, flashy £10,000 wedding, but do that which is honouring to God and not spoil your testimony to others. So Paul says if you're burning and it's the right person and they're a follower of Christ too, go on, go for it and get married. But an important question to ask if you're considering that marriage to someone would be what impact would marrying this person have on my devotion to God on my opportunities to serve God what impact would that have and sadly some of you will know that you're in situations where T'other half isn't following Christ for all sorts of reasons and you will know of the restrictions and the difficulties and the restraints God's still saying to you hang in there stay put work it through but what joy there is too when you've got two folk coming together who have the same desire to honour Christ in their lives that doesn't mean to say everything's hunky dory absolutely not there are troubles in this world but you see our, our compass is then set on Christ when the storms come and we seek to work things out that honour him and please him first rather than trying to please each other all the time. So the church needs to continue to look out for each other as any family does offering warmth and protection and friendship as a safe place You know the bottom line is following Christ is costly, it's radical, it's counterculture whether we're single or married and the world around us will try and squeeze it, squeeze us into its mould and we're called to live by the power of God working in and through us and to be transformed by his spirit. Jesus was poor and single but you would never say he was unfulfilled or incomplete. Unfortunately, sadly, some people as well misinterpret Scripture and, and, and take a literal understanding that the elder was to be a husband of one wife and therefore you've got to be married to be in leadership. Some people would interpret I don't think so. I think what Paul was saying was, be faithful to your wife and don't flirt or sleep around And that goes for married people or single people. You wouldn't have excluded Paul or Jesus, would you, from leadership? The challenge is to be content with where we are. And that contentment isn't just found in things or people. But in the knowledge and love of Christ. You are a child of God and you're precious in his sight and your identity is in Christ not in what you have and what you do so to those I'm coming into land here now so to those who are single to those who are single be diligent be devoted be disciplined to maintain your daily walk with God be careful you're not put in compromising situations and make use of that freedom and look for opportunities to serve for those that are married be on the alert to protect your marriage from decay from dying due to lack of interest and neglect think about how you're going to fulfil your promise to love and to cherish, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death has due part. For our young people, please pray, especially, that they will be mature and strong in God and make wise and good choices. And for all those who have fallen into temptation, there are always consequences to our actions. But there is also always forgiveness offered by our gracious God for all who truly repent. So all of us need to remember the end of that chapter 6 that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. next time we'll look at marriage and divorce and remarriage it doesn't get any easier but it seems God still speaks into our lives today steers us draws us closer to himself you are loved by God shall we just pray Father, we just bring to you any sense of restlessness or discontent, of looking over the fence and thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Lord, we recognize that you're intimately acquainted with each one of us, that you do know us inside out, that we can't pull the wool over your eyes. Lord we just come to you in a moment of just seeking to keep a short account before you seeking to be right with you and so Lord for those things that we may have done and not held our hands up before you even though you've known it all the time for those times when we've wandered from your ways Lord we come seeking once again your grace and your mercy acknowledging that Christ did die once and for all for all my sins help us Lord we pray to live well in the light of that help us we pray for those that are single and those that are married Help us to be a light in the darkness where you have called us to be. Help us to honour you, we pray, in our bodies and that many might be attracted to you, we ask. We do pray especially for our young people. Oh Lord, we do pray. Lord, would you just put a protective edge around them? Lord, we pray that in your timing and in your way, Lord, if they're going to have a married partner, then Lord, you would bring that person into their lives at that timely moment. But for now, Lord, help them to live well for you today. Lord, we come to you as broken people hurting people but we come to a God who is able to touch and heal and restore come Holy Spirit we pray and touch where no humankind can in the name of Jesus